1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I realize this today. I believe since you came on, you've only seen the Chiefs get to an AFC title game. I don't think you've ever worked a season in which the Chiefs haven't reached the AFC title. Am I right about that?
2: Yeah, but I covered the Chiefs for a lot of this a lot of seasons where they didn't even come close. <laughs> you had a wide but yes,
1: but to- yes, with arrowhead pride. Yes, that's true. So wow. you are one of the good omens right now, I I would say.
2: I, I guess so. You know, over the weekend we discovered that uh, we found Willie's Chiefs collar. It'd been missing for a while. Willie, of course, is a and, dog, not Willie, again, right. just to be and, clear. And uh and it and we put it back on him and I said, Okay, this is it, this is gonna cement it for the playoffs. Mm. And then Willie chewed it in two.
1: (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) I have a a phrase the kids say, and that is that Willie, the dog has no chill. He has absolutely no chill. That's, that's the terminology (laughs) for that. Once again, we appreciate you listening to the Arrowhead pride editor show. We appreciate you listening to the Arrowhead pride podcast network. We only have two reviews this week. (laughs) It's a little bit less than our seven last week, but we, have said this we'll read them for you guys aloud so here we go let's go to the two reviews we have and then we'll get to the show first from kc52 mugs lifelong chiefs fan i love having a podcast to listen to dedicated to the chiefs great episodes no matter if, if it's the editor show or even the british show it's all good and he this was actually a review last week and he added this i heard me mentioned in the editor show and this was not to be clear not a backhanded slight at the british show Uh, He loves that show too. A little confusing when you say, even the edit or even the British Chief Show, the Great British (laughs) Chief Show, that indicates, oh, even that show's okay. You know what I mean? So a little confusing there. KC52 most we appreciate the five stars. That's the key here. This one from Link Chu says, Ask and ye shall receive PD. So really going liberal with the nickname there for me. Have to get in on the podcast review reading before Pete stops this thing altogether. So, <laughs> a review and a question. <laughs> um, this is the podcast channel I listened to when I discovered podcasts because I wanted Chiefs content here in Colorado. And for two years since, I never miss a show. Not going to lie, when there were some changes, somewhat skeptical on the channel and how it would turn out, I can honestly say. Uh, that in comparison to other channels, AP still takes the cake. So thank you. Oh, nice! I thank love you. the general response uh, on out of structure to all the questions we fans are thinking right after the game. The editor's show brings the insight and marinated takeaways that always are on point. The Great British Chief Show, and for our other guy, even the Great British Chief Show <laughs> was a delightful surprise and instantly has become a fan favorite. Always love the interview series pods and showing BK is the hot mess I never think I want but always need on the weekend prior to the game. We should write that as the description, Steve. Uh, As a side note and speaking of Steve, he, he goes, as a side note, I absolutely love when Serta he misspelled it completely and then he apologizes if that's spelled incorrectly. Thank you for the apology. Can't stop giggling from what BK says. And now to the question on this. As someone who doesn't use Twitter or much other social media, how can someone ask questions for the Out of Structure podcast? That's a good question. Good. Um, let me talk to Ron and Matt and see if they want to make an email or share an email. That's a good point. And I will get back to you. And lastly, I love the AP radio replays. Whatever happened to the post game podcasts that were on the air, would love to see those come back. So what happens now is we do our own Arrowhead Pride Uh, post-game show and the one that you're referring to is one hosted by Jay Binkley that I also appear on on 610 Sports Radio so this is the best of both worlds we have ours featuring Steve Serta and Rocky who I think do a tremendous job then when you're done with that one you go over to 610sportsradio.com and you can listen to the one with Jay I appear at some point usually an hour after it begins and they take calls and everything they want anyway that was uh, a, a long time for just two reviews, but if you re- leave us a review, I'm going to continue doing this, and it's five stars. I will read it on the show. Uh, as just happened, I mean, we have questions being answered on Monday, but if you have a question for us, I'm happy to a- address that as well as we go. Sure. All right, so we got some news. We got actually a couple news items to talk about, which is different than most editor shows. We're going to go back to Andy Reid on Monday, and then we will give our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and Broncos. And we'll discuss the best Chiefs thing we have heard and seen all week. I think you got to lead this week off, John, with the injury situation and mm-hmm. what's happening because it's, it's not just these injuries to role players, special team guys, rotational guys. These are legitimate contributors on what has been the, the Chiefs offense right now. We're focusing on Clyde Edwards, helaire Tyree Kill, uh, Daryl Williams. Andy Reid did confirm that Travis Kelsey and Willie Gay, who looked to be a little banged up, they're fine. I said this on the radio this morning. Travis Kelsey, and then we'll get to the other ones quickly, John, but Travis Kelsey's been getting beat up all year. And so though he was a little bit limpy at the end of the game, I, I think we tend to expect that he's, in a weird way, used to this punishment by now, and I think he should be fine for this weekend.
2: I would think so. I mean, this is a tough guy, and uh, he's been taking punishment for a long time, but I do think they've ramped it up on him quite a bit this year.
1: Yeah, I I think teams have just openly decided that we're not going to let Travis Kelsey, and to Mm -hmm. an extent, Tyreek Hill, beat us. And there have been ways to take them out of the game, and you need these other contributors. That's why a Clyde suddenly becomes important, and a Darrell Williams uh, suddenly becomes especially important, and you – have a a situation here where Clyde actually the last game he played was two weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers so Clyde Edwards Hilaire is projecting to be the only Chiefs player on the team to play the Steelers (laughs) twice in a row and he had a great game Remember, this was the game where he took that hit by two Steelers defenders Mm -hmm. and got the the truck situation going and really you could you could tell he was emotional getting into the end zone and, and scoring. And so the idea right now is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably going to be partaking in practice this week. He's missed six practices in a row uh, after the Steelers game. was questionable one week and a little confusing there because they quickly ruled him out on Saturday. And then you were thinking, okay, Well, he was questionable two games ago. He'll practice this week leading into what was the Broncos game and then didn't. I don't know anything for sure. Seems like a little bit of a setback might have happened. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs remain optimistic um, on Clyde Edwards-Delaire. The other one is Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams has a toe issue. Remember, Patrick Mahomes had a, a toe issue that he had to deal with through the playoffs all of last year. So let's see what the Chiefs do with the toe. Andy Reid said his toe is a little tender a little bit of a tender foot shout out to our contributor Ron the show Hughley. Um, and we'll see how it goes with, with Daryl. The good thing at running back for the chiefs is they might be getting Clyde back. And also Derek Gore has looked very good. And Jarek McKinnon just had what seemed to be the, the game of his life. Now we have to go to Tyree kill. And to me, maybe I bur- buried the lead a little bit. This is the most important player probably on the injury list, because as I said, the chiefs have been been getting it done with some of these other depth style running backs, and here's what Andy Reid said. The heel was sore after the game. It's making a little progress the other way. We're anticipating he's going to be okay to go. He's another one that wants to play every snap he can. So I don't know. I don't see Tyreek Hill, even if he played limited snaps, in what was the Broncos game, missing a playoff game. Do you feel the same way, John? Uh, No, I'd, I'd agree with you. I mean, he was able to play.
2: I mean, he was clearly you know hobbled a little bit when he was out on the field let's but i think they the were snap
1: counts. let's knock the snap counts out, out right now because we don't have a ton of takeaways what were what were the snap percentages when it came to tyreek
2: uh for tyreek uh let's see i don't remember what they are off the top of my head of course uh <laughs> i'll have to bring that up but they they were down down in the 20 30 percent range they were down quite a bit um and McCole hardman basically stepped in and took his place um, which, you know, ought to make it pretty clear in our minds uh, which player the Chiefs consider to be the number two wide receiver. And that's we had something it. that... So
1: we, I, I pulled up your work, John. It ended up being 12 snaps yeah, and 11 were pass plays and one mm-hmm. was a run play. I find it to be interesting because after the game, Andy Reid said some of them uh, that Hardman part partook in were Tyreek plays and others were just designed for Hardman. Mm-hmm. I think that Tyreek only came in for the plays where they needed him. Right. A, a, right. An example of that was the Chad Henney special. And no, that was right on the ball. But the play that that beat the Cleveland Browns, they ran it twice. One was on fourth down, which was a key fourth down in this game. And then the second was supposed to seal the game. And I believe Andrew Wiley was called for a false start. So they had to drop another play, take Tyreek off the field and, and go to Travis Kelsey. So it was plays in, in which the Chiefs needed Hill. And right. he was able to fight through some pain, it looked like. But I think it, if he's on the field um, in that sense, then y- you feel all right, I think, yeah. about him playing this week. Course, I wouldn't be shocked... I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Mahomes played when he was dealing with turf toe too. So, well, this uh, is a it,
1: this is a heel. Daryl's the toe. yeah.
2: I know, yeah. but it but it's still a foot pain
1: issue. You know, uh, I mean, I recognize it's a different a different in- injury. But for those of you at home who don't know what John is saying, he's saying, guys, shoot shoot your feet up. You you're you're going in. We don't <laughs> care about this no sinking injury in the wild card round. The Chiefs, Rub some course, dirt in it. That's right. The Chiefs, of course, have that Sunday night football. Wild card round game against the pittsburgh steelers 7 15 p.m arrowhead time so that was really the only snap count takeaway anything other anything else stick stick out to you john or is it just no i mean
2: obviously you know obviously uh darrell williams missed some snaps and uh you know in the recent yeah. weeks the chiefs have kind of made him the bell cow as much as they're going to you know in the 70 80 percent uh range of snaps uh, and then with him out for half the game, then uh, in reserve, they had McKinnon and Gore split the snap counts. Yeah. So they, they clearly want their their main back to get the majority of the snaps at this point, which is kind of unusual. We've kind of gotten used to the idea of this running by, by committee concept. But here in recent games, uh, the Chiefs seem to be wanting to depend on one guy and, uh, and, and just have other guys come in as, as for breathers, basically. Um. So, but that wasn't possible on on Saturday, and we had to get Gore and McKinnon in there, and they both did well,
1: I thought, in this game. One thing I think we do well at Arrowhead Pride is really keep a a pulse of the fan base, and I'm not here to claim that any fan out there is rooting for injury or anything like that, but there's a lot of fans who were happy that Daryl Williams got the lead role. There's been quite a turn, I think, on Clyde, Edwards, he even being the starter. I, I, you know, you've heard a little bit about Ron cop, talk about it and Ron's conservative with his takes. So like Ron, Ron is starting to think that Daryl should be the starter anyway. I know a lot of fans feel like the offense ticks a little bit better when Daryl is in, I have said this before and I'm not necessarily saying Clyde shouldn't be in there, but I, I think Andy Reed operates well when he doesn't have what is a first rounder or star player in that position I, as much. So I'm going to be careful here. So it's like, as much as Jamar Charles and Kareem Hunt were assets to the team, right? Andy Reid in his heart does not want to run the football more than throw it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a Spencer Ware or a Sharkandrick West or a Darrell Williams, instead of a Clyde Edwards, in there, he can kind of just go with his feel and not feel that I think added pressure to run the football. Now I, I tend to think that the chiefs are better off when they're closer to 50, 50, but most games, it's not going to be more running than passing. And so I, I think in a weird way, it takes the pressure off Andy, who's always been passed first, you know?
2: Well, the last two games, the Chiefs have uh, passed the ball exactly 60% of the time. There you go. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the, the average is like uh, 62-38, I think. 62 pass, 38% uh, run over the season. So they're right in their zone at 60-40, and I think that's exactly where they want to be. I'd like it a little better if they ran a little the ball just a little bit more, mm-hmm. but um, but I, I think you're right. That's not what Andy Reid wants to do, so that's not likely something we're going to see unless we're in an unusual situation where they get a big lead and they're running the ball to chew up the clock in the second half or whatever, uh, but 60-40 uh, seems to be where they live, and they have for the last couple of games.
1: You know who definitely would – like to run the ball more. That's offensive coordinator Eric Biennami, and he might get the chance again. Fourth season in a row, he's starting to draw some head coaching interest. And the first team that seems to be interested in, in Biennami is the Denver Broncos. The Broncos have reached out to the Chiefs reportedly to see if they can interview Biennami. I have heard some takes about the Chiefs not allowing enemy to interview. I don't think that will be the case. I think Andy Reid's going to allow him to interview wherever he gets an opportunity. I mean, we are approaching, I believe it's more than 20 teams or at least approaching 20 teams that have had interest in Enemy over the past three off seasons. And I think even if it's Denver, you got to be rooting for him to get some kind of opportunity here. I know it's not the best team in the world. In an ideal world, he would go to an NFC team where you could root for him and not have to worry about how it would impact the Chiefs. Obviously with the Broncos, he'd be playing the chiefs twice a year. Eric B started his NFL career as a running backs coach, coaching up Adrian Peterson with the Minnesota Vikings at the same time. um, George Patton now general manager of the Broncos and the person that will be picking this position is with the Broncos. So, I think he has a, an outside chance here. There are some sexier names on the market. B enemy has been a name that's been out there now for a couple of years, and, and he should get an opportunity to, to interview with the Denver Broncos, John.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure it's the right spot for him. I think he'd have conflicted loyalties about that. But if you know, if they give him what he wants, you know, whatever that is, whether it's money or the kind of control that he wants or the situation that he, you know, thinks will be conducive to him being successful. I think he'll take it. Um, uh, you know, I've thought that the Jacksonville situation would be a good one for Biennium. I've thought that for a while. But, um, you know, it's it's all what's in his head about it. And
1: we but, don't really know what's in his right. head about it. And so... As we're speaking it, it, right now, some odds have come out and odds on the next Minnesota Vikings head coach. And Eric Biennium is the betting favorite. Now, he's been the really? betting favorite before and has not... It has not really panned out. That's an organization that's familiar with him, knows him well, I think would have a buy-in there, I think probably wants an offensive head coach after Mike Zimmer ended mm-hmm. up being there for so long. And they have Dalvin Cook. We've said on this podcast before, there aren't many true bell cows in the NFL. Dalvin Cook is one of the the lone yeah. bell cows, so it could be a run-first offense. I think Kirk may be the be at the end of his tenure, maybe in Minnesota. So it offers you maybe an opportunity either this year or next year to, to go and pick a quarterback. And it's in the NFC, which probably in the enemy's mind, you would think would be an ideal situation. So he doesn't have to impact Andy Reid and the Chiefs, unless it's a rematch at Super Bowl Four. Come on, bring it on. Why not, right, in, in the future <laughs> years? Hey,
2: You know, I, I'd like to ask one question while we're talking about the enemy here. Um, you know, the presumption is always – that Eric Bieniemy wants to run the ball, you know, that if he was calling all the shots, they'd run the ball more than they do. Do we know that? Or are we just assuming that because he's an right. ex
1: running back? I tend to think that he, he wants to be run first. I just, I think being in press conferences, John, this is just my take on it. I think being in press yeah. conference, you know, you talk, you talk to him about running backs and running the football and, uh, you know, as opposed to like Mahomes in the passing game. And he, he seems to light up a bit more and I don't know. I, I just kind of assume if you, if you're the, it actually depends on where you're the head coach, right? Because if well, you're sure. the, yeah. the head coach of the Broncos and you all yeah. of a sudden you have Aaron Rodgers on the team, which is who they're going right. after. Right. And you're <laughs> like, all right, we have to be past for us. Now, if you're with Kirk cousins and Dalvin freaking cook, that might be a better fit for you because you right. know, that's the best thing that Andy Reed does is he, he creates the offense around his personnel, not the other way around. So. I think it's an interesting thing to bring up. Minnesota probably a better fit than Denver, as we're talking out loud. Denver, mm-hmm. Denver also, by the way, um, would would offer Andy Reid a a chance to to see the enemy off, which is why I think he's going to allow the enemy to interview wherever he wants because you have a bottlenecking situation here at the the Chiefs coaching staff with right Mike Kafka, probably two years overdue from becoming an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator somewhere. I I think it's going to happen this offseason whether it's with the Chiefs or not. So, I think that Andy is is eager for Eric Bieniemy to graduate in, in a sense. So, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. There there's other teams interested in Chiefs personnel. Members Ryan Poles is drawing interest from the New York Giants. If you remember, Ryan Poles was sort of this no-name candidate. Uh, in a sense, to other teams, and went to Carolina. Carolina opened up their GM search, I believe it was last year, and opened it up wide. They interviewed initially like 15 different people, and they only ended up keeping around four or five. And polls actually made it to the second round of interviews. Really unique in the sense that Carolina was updating their own website about the interview process, but it, it, it opened up a, a window into seeing um, – you know what? What Ryan polls and and how far he he went, and he's the executive director of player personnel for the Chiefs. Thirty six years old, actually was an offensive lineman for Matt Ryan in college, and he's been a member of the Chiefs' uh, personnel department for nearly thirteen years. So draft weekend is the only time that we're able to talk to any of these guys. They bring up different members of the personnel staff. It actually seems like a a way to train maybe future future personnel staff members. Uh, To speaking to the media because different scouts get an opportunity to talk to us on Mm -hmm. day three polls was actually up there and i remember this and i appreciated the chiefs for doing it but the last time they gave us polls one of the things i asked him was like you've been here for 13 years that means you've seen a lot of staff so we don't have to Hmm. go into the different staffs that he's seen but dorsey was among them the Pioli way everybody really right and he's just been able to like a sponge, maybe take the best parts of both. And now I know a lot of Chiefs fans are probably like, what good parts were there to learn from Scott freaking Pioli? Or there was something, <laughs> right? There had to have been something. It came from New England and, and I had to give something, do something well. But uh, that was a question that I had to him man, And he answered it kind of like I figured it, it is just souping everything up, learning what you learn from all these different, Guys who led the staffs in, in slightly different ways, vastly different ways. Probably between a Dorsey and a Pioli, Beach probably put his spin on what he learned from John Dorsey, and now Polls can go do it uh, his way. And this has been a right hand man for Brett VG the originally college scouting draft assistant type guy. And you can't argue with this year's draft: Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith, and. We don't have to say Cornell Powell. We'll see about Noah Gray. Mm -hmm. You're going to have your hits. You're going to have your misses. But to nail three of these picks, I mean, Bolton led the Chiefs in tackles, was a rotational player, and then two starting offensive linemen, one in the sixth round of the NFL draft. I I don't think you have to look any further. I think that a team that goes and gets polls will probably be getting, in a sense, a discount. I I really think his name is going to get out of the hat soon and then, some team, some owner out there is going to have to really pay him. If if the Giants are the only team interested, maybe they go radical and say we think this could be the guy. If Polls interviews, I mean Polls could look at that situation and say,
3: hey, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Judge.
1: <laughs> it, it seems, right now they're the worst organization in the NFL. So we'll see what um, what Polls does. But it, I think it's cool for for the Chiefs to have interest not only in the coaching staff but also the personnel department, John.
2: You know, giving you one of my old guy takes here, it's been my experience that, um, that even the stupidest guy in the room, you know, is capable of showing you something from time to time, uh, you know, giving you an idea that you wouldn't have had before. And I think a guy who has stayed with the team for as long as he had, uh, through these different regimes and. And totally different styles. I mean, there's there could hardly be uh, much more change um, in the in the styles between some of those GMs and and personnel departments than we've seen. A guy like that is probably really useful. Would probably be really good at the job. He survived over a long period of time and absorbed uh, input, both good and bad, from a lot of people. And a lot of times, you know, being uh, working for somebody who's bad is useful too. So, uh, you know, that's my old guy take on this is that just the particular experience that Poles has had yeah. might make him a very good candidate uh, to be a GM for another team. So uh, good luck to him, by all yeah. means.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I think a team like the Giants need somebody like him to really reverse things. You know, I I know that John Dorsey had been floated out there for the Giants as well. That's a guy who has built two teams from sorry teams into essentially playoff teams and the chiefs and Browns. It seems like there's been some transgressions there where where both teams ended up moving on, but who knows if he gets in the mix as well. All right, John, with the regular season over, you did a piece for us this morning on the Chiefs' schedule. We now know their schedule for 2022, the home games, uh, the division games. Then you get the Jaguars win Tennessee Titans, Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks and Buffalo Bills. It'll be interesting to see who's the quarterback of the, the Seahawks. The other teams you kind of know about already, the Chiefs road games, the division games, you get the Houston Texans, the Colts, the San Francisco 49ers, the Cardinals, the Bengals, and that 17th game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right, John? Mm-hmm, that's
2: correct. Um, you know, everybody puts a lot of emphasis now on these uh, games where you play teams that uh, finished the same in their divisions as you did. Uh, and with a, this extra game, they've added to the, the schedule is one of those. So now three of the games each season are, uh, are based on the other teams finishing record in the division in right. the previous year or the year before that. So we're going to hear more people talking about a first place schedule, fourth place schedule, that kind of thing. It's still a relatively small piece of the pie, The biggest thing that goes into whether a schedule is going to be strong or weak is the divisions that you that you play. And uh, the Chiefs have a pretty tough schedule the way it looks right now. That always is the is the disclaimer you got to put out there because this could change a lot once the season gets underway. But, you know, they're playing uh, the, the NFC West, which has got a lot of good teams in it. Um, that will match we up well with that, the Chiefs. You know, you
1: argued that, that the two West divisions are the best divisions in football, and yeah. I don't think that's a good argument because, it, I mean, you look at this year, all of these teams, aside from the Seattle Seahawks, all mm-hmm. seven were involved in playoff talks the last yep. month of the year. Yeah, the Broncos didn't make it, and neither did the Chargers. Uh, Chiefs with the sixth toughest schedule. Uh, in the NFL at this juncture, as John was saying, the, the teams can change as we go here. It gets even harder, for example, if a Wilson goes to the Broncos, if a Rodgers goes to the Broncos, because suddenly those games become coin flips. Hate to say it, but they do.
2: And Well, so- you know, I pointed out yesterday that the Chiefs had played nine of this year's playoff teams in this past season, which was a high during the Andy Reid years. Uh, up to this point, Reid had only played – against seven potential eventual playoff teams uh, in a given season right. so that was one of the reasons that this chiefs season this past season was was pretty difficult they're facing nine again next year again those will probably change a couple of those teams probably won't make the playoffs a couple more teams will make the playoffs and maybe they'll be yeah. on the schedule maybe they won't but you know on paper right now it looks like a tough one
1: yeah we'll see Long way to go. We got some games before that, though. We have to, we have to worry about it. Hopefully, Yeah. Hope, hopefully four. Hopefully four games. We'll see. Another piece of news, and this is more minor, and then we'll get to Andy Reid after the break. Brett Feach, he's continuing to sign players. The Chiefs have signed, as of this morning, a former Steelers prospect wide receiver returner, Matthew Sexton, speedy little receiver, 5'9", 176 pounds, uh, looks to be returner special teams gunner type of prospect here sort of reminds me of garrick Dieter in a a sense um (laughs) fast receiver again special teams value it's a futures deal so we will see if he can make a case to crack the the workout I, i think it's always an advantage for these types of guys to get in the building right after the season and then really i think have the entire offseason you're at such an advantage than just being at what would be considered like a training camp body coming in late so who knows it seems to be maybe like a, a practice squad emergency type of prospect but figured I, i'd tell you right what, what else right are we doing? right okay well
2: we'll have a lot more of those when the season's over but they usually do have a few of them before the mm-hmm. season ends those guys yeah. come up the early. editor show so is
1: gonna be like 15 minutes once the once the season's <laughs> over all right <laughs> That's it for the news. When we come back, we will get into Andy Reid's Monday afternoon Zoom press conference. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
2: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. We are done with regular season. That is come and gone. We are now on to the playoffs. The Chiefs will be partaking in the wild card, super wild card weekend. Very exciting for the NFL. Two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, one game on Monday night. The Chiefs get the Sunday night game, 7.15 p.m. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, th- the the third of a triple header in the NFL, probably better than the Monday night game. But as it stands right now, the Chiefs will be playing a team that has an extra day off, so that uh, a yeah. little bit of a disadvantage there. But you know what they had a they had that advantage going into this game over the the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if they win, they'll they'll have to get to work very quickly.
2: We yeah, I'm I'm not happy about this Monday night thing. I get why they do it. You know, the game is about TV. I understand. You know, they get a lot of eyeballs on the game on a Monday night game in prime time. I just don't like it. I think it messes with the schedule too much at a time of year when the schedule needs to be messed with the least as they can get away with. I'm going to have more to say about this as the show continues, but.
0: (laughs) but, (laughs) Nice little tease there.
1: (laughs) All right. First thing for me to read that I thought was interesting. Andy talked about Patrick Mahomes and his growth in year four as the team starter. Before we get to Andy Reid, I just want to tell you this is the first time Mahomes is partaking in Wild Card Weekend. So if you're ever a Chiefs fan that wants to complain about how poorly the team played on Sunday, to go four years of a new quarterback and the first Wild Card game you're even going to be playing, I think is uh, quite a, a spoiler, right? That's a that's a, a spoil factor for having Patrick Mahomes. All right, so let's get into Andy Reid's quote. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, finished with four thousand eight hundred thirty-nine yards, thirty-seven touchdowns, and thirteen interceptions. Here's Andy.
3: Yeah, no, he's done a he's done a nice job with it. Um, you know, that fifth year, sixth year, you're still you're, you're you've got a pretty good grasp of the defenses you're going to see, and then it's a matter of fine tuning it, and staying fresh on the new things that you put in each week. And I think he's handled that against a lot of different looks um, whether it's zone or man. So, you know, it's important. You're always learning as a court, you're always learning as a football player period and coach. And so um, it, it's, it, it's uh, been a good year for him that way. And he's uh, it really turned out some pretty, pretty good numbers and wins and all those things. So he's, he's, uh, he's had a good year. So essentially said what we thought
1: he might say, but I, I think, what sticks out there is that this was such a learning year for Mahomes starting to realize that he isn't necessarily always going to be this Superman freakazoid that's going to roll through opposing defenses and probably is going to end up being a a better quarterback for it. And as much as we want to say, man, Mahomes had a down year. His down year is among the best in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So if he, if yeah. he works on all that stuff throughout the playoffs and then into the off season, you're looking and, and I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP this year, but you're looking at the MVP favorite for next year. I, that's, that's fact. That's what I'm, I'm willing to say that right now. Um, and cause he's just the safest bet. I, like I said, I understand Rodgers is going to win it this year, but he's going to be the safest bet, not only next year, but probably the safest bet for years to come. And what an advantage that is for the chiefs.
2: Certainly over a long period of time, he would be, you know, if you had to, if had, who's going to win it the most times over a period of time? Mahomes would be the guy you'd want to yeah. bet on at this point. I'm interested yeah. that you um, have decided that Rodgers is going to win it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's done. No, I, okay. I, know for, All right. I know for a fact he'll win it.
1: Okay, so okay. let's get into the Pittsburgh Steelers, the the first first playoff uh, opponent for the Chiefs. And this was the point I brought up. T.J. Watt, and, and this will be something to watch, and I'm, I'll let the Great British Chiefs show dive in here. But T.J. Watt was battling a rib injury and he was limited in the game two weeks ago. And I think that was a big factor because if you really look at the Steelers this year, when they have Watt versus when they don't, they are just a different team with a different air of confidence when they have Watt. Watt is is healthy now and you saw him clinch a tie for the sack record over the weekend. Here was Andy Reid on Watt. Yeah, he
3: sure looked healthy yesterday. And I wouldn't slate 56 on the other side either. They've got good rushers, ninety-sevens, Pro Bowler or two, and big-time player. Um, th- those guys are. Uh, that's a that's a healthy defensive front that that can bring it, and Watt Watt is uh, one of the best in the business at it. So, yes, I would tell you we need to uh, be aware of them.
1: See how Andy Reid does that, John. He makes sure not to just mention Watt, not to shun some of these other guys because he doesn't want Alex Highsmith or Cameron Hayward coming in and saying, well, Andy Reid only thinks Watt is the only defensive player on this team. He (laughs) takes the opposite approach uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to making sure uh, to not give any even slight smidgen of bulletin board material entering such a big game.
2: Well, you know, I'm starting to wonder if teams are going to be mad because he just said, well, we're looking forward to playing a good team this week and doesn't elaborate any. Because that's that's kind of Andy's way of insulting the other team. We know we're playing a good team this week. Time's yours.
1: There, <laughs> there's nothing worse than when the Lions come up, or, or a team like the Lions. Yeah. yeah. And you sit there at the press conference. We look forward to the challenge of playing the Detroit Lions. He's a good football team as well, coached.
0: <laughs> Andy,
3: are they? Are they? Are you kidding me? What?
1: No. You can't. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's it's like my intro to the editor show. Never really changes. But you know what? Look, like Andy Reid, I'm a man of routine, and I, I stick with <laughs> it. Andy Reid, by the way, thinks the Steelers are playing better now than they
3: were. Well, I think they're playing well together. I think they're, they're doing a, a nice job with that. Ben's playing well, and uh, the runner's running well. Offensive line's doing a nice job. Um, and, and defensively, uh, listen, Pittsburgh's always good. So, um, uh, on that defensive side and they, they fly around, they've got some all-star players on that, that side of the ball that, uh, do really well. I, have slighted their wide receiver. Their wide receivers are very good too. So on the, on the offensive side, so, um, they're, they're a good football team. They're well coached and the, the organization with the Rooney family is, uh, it's, it's strong. It's been strong for so many years. Ben
1: Roethlisberger, I, I don't know if I necessarily say he's playing well, but better, right? And I think good enough to sneak into the playoffs. I just look at this game. Well, we're not going to go deep in because we don't really do forward looking stuff in the show, but I just I can't see Big Ben at the end of his career here barely being able to throw the ball thirty yards down the field. You think he's gonna outdo Patrick Mahomes? I just I just can't feel that way right now.
2: Yeah, but you always have to watch out for a guy in that kind of a situation. I mean, right. uh, you know, he's had some great games in him over his career. There's no doubt about that. And uh, maybe, you know, the last time around, he finds it within himself mm-hmm. uh, to play great. Now, of course, you know, you remember, I didn't know about this until well after the fact, but I guess he brought his family to the game in Arrowhead a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And it's apparently the first time they'd ever gone to a road game. And then the Steelers got walloped. Um, So maybe he's going to bring his family
1: back and try and.
2: and Mike Jordan loves family. Make up for it.
1: They should put him in the furthest possible seat and sitting in the (laughs) K to watch the game. You make a good point about a guy who's playing his last game when he loses. Yeah, there's nothing to lose. So if you're ever try your absolute hardest, not that Big Ben wouldn't. I guess if there's anyone that's not going to try in a playoff game, it's Big Ben. But it is that situation where I remember when Vince McMahon put Ric Flair in this this situation. If Ric Flair lost, he had to retire, and Ric Flair just kept on rattling off this win. It took Shawn Michaels to uh, retire Ric Flair, and so it's going to take a Shawn Michaels-like effort for the Chiefs to to get this done against Big Ben. And, and I think it's kind of fun that the Chiefs can end Big Ben's career, right? <laughs> you could watch that say
2: well look, now that man, we've brought up wrestling maybe we'll need to body slam yeah, burger that's, now.
3: <laughs> and that's a
1: good segue into what melvin ingram wants to do here's andy reed on the impact of melvin ingram
3: yeah well he brought he brought a positive uh, uh definitely a positive attitude to our already a positive group but um and, and that that senior leadership that you you hear about i mean he's been doing it for a long time at a very high level um, and then he and Brendan Daly matching up together, I think, uh, just was, was like a perfect fit. And so, um, I don't want to slight Brendan on all this cause, uh, he's a fine football coach and does a, does a really good job with that group. And, um, you know, we, we've brought guys in that have come from little different situations when you, you know, you, you got to make sure that they, they all kind of dance the same dance and. He's done good with that, and then Ingram fit right in there, man. I mean, he's and and his attitude is—he's very smart, and his attitude is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I think it's an underrated part because we've seen what he's done on the field. I know that Pittsburgh Gazette reporter doesn't, but we've seen what Melvin Ingram's been able to do on the field. But he really, I think, did bring along with a Frank Clark, a veteran presence to that room. There's something when a guy joins a team in the middle of the season, and it's not just this hot young player it's someone that's been there before and I think you've seen the situation with Terrell Suggs in in previous years Mm -hmm. where yeah and Suggs had less of an impact on the field than Ingram has had but even still it just it changes the vibe when it when it feels like someone's been there before and Ingram is a little bit different in the sense of he played for the Chargers and had a cup of coffee with the Steelers he's still gunning for that ring, Like he has even more motivation. Like Terrell Suggs came here and and could kind of tell the guys like, this is what we have to do to go and play championship football. I've done it before. Ingram still wants that, right? So he comes to the, the chiefs, the Steelers uh, are in the playoffs now. And what an interesting scenario that the Steelers gave him away because he was a hostage and not a volunteer. Shout out to, Uh, Mike Tomlin (laughs) and and here he has a chance to to get a sack he didn't get a sack in in the last game I'm I'm sure he's going to be trying to get a sack of of Big Ben in this game
2: well you make a good point about Terrell Suggs Um, you know he did not make a big impact on the field but the players all talked about his influence uh, on them in the locker room and that's an important part of team chemistry is having those guys who can Uh, and have that kind of example on the younger players and even some of the the older players too. And I think they're getting that from Ingram, but they're also getting on-field production that's been very significant. And uh, so it's a good point to bring up Suggs, but he's actually kind of transcended what we saw with Suggs because he's able to get some on-field production as well.
1: Quick point about Suggs. We haven't really seen him since he was dancing mm-hmm. in that Chiefs jersey in Miami. He just kind of disappeared, and he was a, a louder voice of the NFL. I, I like to think he's just continuing to dance in Miami since 2018, yeah. Has He doesn't even know what COVID is, just is still yeah. celebrating the Super Bowl. Hopefully, hopefully he's living in that world. <laughs> Quick uh, update here. The Bears will interview former Chiefs offensive coordinator Doug Peterson, former Eagles Super Bowl winning head coach, he also recently spoke with the Jaguars. Doug Peterson is getting some juice here. I tend to think one of these teams is going to pull the trigger on Peterson. What a, a crazy thing it would be for Peterson after a year off to, to get his second job when the enemy is still waiting for that crack of this first. We'll see what happens with that. Let's finish up with Andy Reid's last thing. This is more funny than anything else. Andy Reid was asked about tie gate between the Chargers <laughs> and the Raiders and, and how the Chiefs were operating when they thought they would be playing the Steelers, but had a little bit of a question, just like everybody else.
3: Yeah. We focused um, on Pittsburgh, the you know, and that's kind of the direction we, we headed yesterday. And and then um, we watched the game and, um, you know, I mean, we were done the last two minutes going, you know what, we we might be playing the Raiders. So, um, but uh, we did most of our focus on Pittsburgh. I mean, the chances of being a tie, we felt were slim slim to none, but uh, we got down there, and it was it was something. you know, It was quite a game.
1: This, to me, is the perfect their-people-too moment, right? because you could see and you could hear in his voice the smile uh, on Andy Reid in, in the sense that they weren't really sure if at the end of the day they were just going to have to scrap, well, I guess not scrap if the Steelers won, but just pretty much scrap everything that they had prepared for in the afternoon and, and tried to get ahead on Sunday afternoon as this game was about to tie on Sunday night. And I can't believe how it played out. I think Brendan Staley outsmarted himself quite a bit in this game by calling that that timeout late. But it was darn near close to being a 32-32 to tie with three AFC West teams entering the playoffs. And then, of course, the Raiders pulled it out at the end, John.
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a situation. The thing I found most amusing about the whole thing, at one point during the game, during one of the breaks where they turned the camera on the uh, announcing crew, and Chris Collinsworth starts laying out scenarios for kneeling to cause a tie, and, and Al Michaels could hardly keep himself from rolling his eyes and making these faces like, will you shut up, Chris? <laughs> It just amused me to no end. (laughs) I This
1: is how I felt about the game. I don't think they could go out there, and I think it would be an integrity of the game type of thing if they didn't go out and initially try to win, right? Sure. Now, Mm -hmm. even in overtime, okay, right? You're still... There's so much time on the clock. There's still 10 minutes. You got to go and try try to score a touchdown. Okay, field goal. Then you have the Chargers get the football. And... Look, you're still playing. Now you gotta get a field goal. You get it. Now you're looking at five minutes on the clock. This is different than kneeling the entire game. At that point, you gotta like look to the other sideline and say, Let's run halfback dives the rest of the game We won't sign
2: language from the sideline or something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we won't score a first down if you or we won't have a first down if you don't have a first down and just run the clock out. I mean, you're talking about four minutes. So in in that, that's like maybe five, six plays that you have to get through and kind of fake it. So long as a, the one team doesn't muff the punt, you're both going to the playoffs. And Staley, what is he doing? There's 38 seconds. Don't you want to see? if they're at least letting it just run down and I unbelievable. And for a a chargers team that was once considered like a contender. And suddenly after they were able to knock off the chiefs, this team that a lot was a hot pick again, not only at the the preseason, but to, to go on a run here and, and make, make some noise. And I don't know. Wild scenario, and I I know that a friend of the site, Cody Tappa of 610 Sports Radio, was pointing this out. The Chiefs started the day with the prospect of having the Indianapolis Colts and the L.A. Chargers as matchups, and matchups that you would fear, and who enters the tournament? It's the Raiders and the Steelers who you had your best offensive games against all year, all year. So you couldn't get the number one seed. Uh, after the the texans blew it there but this was as good a scenario as you could possibly get without out of the out of the picture I, i think
2: well you know i always say that people who who talk about teams tanking in order to get the top draft pick and you know doing that kind of thing i always say i never met anybody in an nfl locker room or in a coaching suite or a press conference that I thought was anything less than a total professional who would try and win every moment yep. of every game. And I think that in the end, when they were presented with circumstances where they could have done something that indicated they were just going to, you know, kneel and let the game end as a tie, they mm-hmm. didn't. Staley, you know, put up a timeout to make sure he had the right defense on the field. <laughs> and the Raiders so
1: kicked a field goal. It's and uh, it's
2: another and they, forest,
1: yeah. It, I mean, it's another forestry situation that where like yeah. Steely is just so. I, I think he just was so into the game and just overthought it. I mean, he needs to play more Madden like us and you just <laughs> let the clock <laughs> run out. How are you doing man? All right. Well, that's it for Andy Reid. If you want to listen to the full press conference, it's available uh, from the podium. We'll have from the podiums all week with the news that is coming out of one Arrowhead Drive. When we come back, we will go into our world-famous marinated takeaways and check out the best Chiefs thing we saw all week. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Well, I'm going to let this marinate.
1: You know, let that one marinate, and then we can
0: circle back. Adapt, react, readapt, it takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up the show with our world-famous marinated, which I, I know from the reviews that we've gotten and read on this program that people seem to enjoy. So keep it up, John. I'll let you go first. What did you think about this game?
2: Well, I've heard a lot of people complaining about Zane Anderson, mm-hmm. and he deserves criticism for uh, getting that.
1: Dan penalty too,
2: yeah. Getting the penalty, uh, attempting to block that punt because it was a costly penalty. It was a bad play. Everybody agrees on that. But as I've thought about that situation, mm. I'm remembering uh, when the play went down, the line opened up wide, and Anderson came through that line without a hand on him, in order to go after that punt. I think what happened was that Dave Tobe had seen an opportunity to block a punt against the Broncos punting team and designed a play to do exactly that and called it in that moment when the Chiefs were up 7-0, hoping that they could get another quick touchdown, be up 14-0, and then being in the situation we all wanted them to be in. That is to be 14-0 in the first quarter and force the Broncos to make Drew Locke throw the football instead of run the ball. And maybe by the third quarter, the chiefs can start sitting guys down on the sidelines. I think that was a special teams play designed to make that happen. And it almost worked. Um, So I get why people are upset with Zane Anderson. Okay. That's fine. But I really think that this play was one of Tobe's moments. He thought, you know, I think we can get a block here. And they almost did.
1: I, I think you're right. I think the problem with Zane is it was just two weeks in a row of costly penalties, Right. And right, and right. Because of his penalties, one game you lost. And this game was, the chiefs almost lost again to the Broncos. I mean, it came down to the wire. Uh, if it wasn't for that, that defensive play at the end with, ingram um and nick bolton running it back i, I think they lose you know I, I think that's a pretty easy call so it, it just was the margin was small and i know that a lot of people were like well look he's a dancer and some clone i'll tell you that you're right talking to people around this team when at training camp this is before we even knew zane anderson was and before he was called mm-hmm. up people said there's little dan like they were there everyone kind of it's the same school same type of player. Starting as a special teams guy, we'll see what he can develop into. So, uh, for those of you who, who want Dan Sorensen off the team, maybe one day he will be, but guess what? A Dan Sorensen clone is ready to take up that mantle, baby. So, uh, get used to it. This is a part and, of the Chiefs and, team and, for the few fours. And team there team. is
2: a use for a Dan Sorensen clone, one yeah. who is younger. I you think
1: he's.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: And, I, and I think, Dan. Dan just gets a bad rap because that he's put in situations where he shouldn't be, in. that's not
0: yeah, Dan's fault,
1: right? I'm right. Like, I think there's a, a a a an outlook there. Now, when Dan unfortunately goes to the podium and says, "I don't read anything," screw you guys. <laughs> not doing yeah, himself okay. any favors, but anyway, <laughs> let's get into my first Maradine takeaway. I think the the importance of Tyreek Hill cannot be understated, and that's why watching his injury is so important this week and i don't even need to go into the x's and o's this to to tell you that i just look at the actions of the team this was a player you've already made the playoffs you know that you're going to get a home field game a player who's hurting right you're not playing for all that much the chance of re-injury you saw how he was like jogging and, and wobbling um hobbling i should say but not wobbling wobbling would be a different story hobbling he was hobbling and the chiefs continued to run him out there that to me, even for the twelve plays that we said at the the top, means that there's so much that he does that just nobody on the other on the other roster spots can do. No one on the rest of the team can do. So when you need that. Chad Henney special to pick up the one yard and you don't really use the quarterback sneak and other teams have started to sniff out Blake Bell's tight end sneak a little bit. I think you saw that with the Bengals the Bengals almost stopped it once they saw Blake Bell on the move and, and stopping they rushed to the middle. So that that has kind of been sniffed out. And so there are plays that you need for Tyree kill and the 11 plays to the one um, 11 pass plays to the one run play just tells you how much he he's important to, to what this team does offensively. So this is a status to watch, and I know it's a little obvious, but I, I just wanted to highlight it in the sense that, man, this was an injured player in a, in a more or less meaningless game that they forced into the lineup because of him needing him to win. And so a status to watch, um, no doubt. Well, I think that was one of the interesting
2: things about this game, which is taking me directly to my second <laughs> take away
1: yeah, perfect.
2: Uh, that, that uh, this was a really weird animal. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, the Chiefs had to win two games. That's all I had to do, and they had the first seed. They lose a game unexpectedly. How do you motivate your players to go out there and play their best, knowing that even if they do, they're still going to get the second seed because the, the odds that Jack, that, uh, that the Houston Texans will beat the Tennessee Titans are pretty small. Now, of course, the Texans made a game of it at the end, but <laughs> they still lost. And I think that's a very difficult coaching challenge. We always talk about, you know, what a great job Andy Reid does in getting his players to be on an even keel and prepare the same way for every game. I'm not backing off on any of that. I, I think he does a fantastic job. I just think this was a situation where it, you almost can't coach that out of the players. They've got to know that stuff is going on. And then you add this terrible feel. And you've guys got guys out there who are playing on a very bad surface. I, you know, I think you could argue that two or three of the three injuries that we're worried about right now had something to do with that turf. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can't blame guys Mm -hmm. when they've got playoffs coming up, not going 110% on every play on that kind of a playing surface. So this was a really weird game, and I, I know people are upset because the Chiefs didn't just, you know, rub the Broncos' noses in the dirt. But I think there's a lot of reasons why it played out that way, and and the the oddness of the situation is one of them, in my view.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I I'm with you a little bit. I'm I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried, and this is my next takeaway. I'm worried defensively right now, and um, you know, you you're you're in a sense at least in one aspect of your game, backing into the playoffs. Cause you saw the defensive turn around. And I think that was really, I think that was real um, where the, the chiefs have really slipped up recently. And we hadn't seen it in so many weeks, two months. I felt like, mm-hmm. yeah, are oh, these explosive plays Tamar chase embarrassed them. And then you had a few plays in this game, Tim Patrick and, and Melvin Gordon with these long plays. And I'm telling you, you'll be fine this weekend. I, 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 I'm not jinxing it here. I do. I do not worry about the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, aside from a, a maybe like a rain game with a, an absolute TJ Watt takeover. I think the Chiefs advance. When you're playing the Bills or the Bengals next week, and you're allowing these explosive plays, you you could lose those that game. So I not only think that this Pittsburgh Steelers game, you win. You have to win it. It's a playoff game. But what we wanted to see against denver which was this clean game that you have mm-hmm. to have that type yeah. of effort against ben roethlisberger and maybe that could be in a weird way a get right playoff game that you can build on going into which sh- will be in an, an, a, a next opponent and you know i i get out there some of you are probably like well let's worry about this week sure let's worry about this week but this is a super bowl or bust team if you're not thinking mm-hmm. about the, the next round then what are we even doing here so I don't know. I, I think I think the effort last game has turned this next game, even though it's a playoff game, into a get right game in a sense for the defense. I don't disagree with that. I, I think that's part of what's going
2: on. I think I, I'll agree with that. I just think there were a lot of factors that went into this game. And uh you know, defensive issues are certainly among those, but it was also a very odd situation. So yeah. I, I I don't disagree. I think so you've you got any other point?
1: Do you have any special marinations? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but it's more about the whole weekend.
2: Are we not entertained by the <laughs> yeah. NFL playoff, the, the final like, week it, of the NFL like season the super
1: finale? The season finale? Oh,
2: man. You know, I was unhappy about it, and I yeah. said so. I was unhappy that they moved the games around, and I complained yeah. about how it was inconveniencing <laughs> real fans, and those those complaints were all valid, but, man... What a weekend it was, it was I mean it was because they moved those Games around that it played out the way It did and was so dramatic And mm. made for excellent television So it's hard to argue against it On that basis all those other problems Are still there of course But uh, and, and those are bad Problems in my view um, But man what a Weekend of television it was uh, For for just casual fans Sitting at
1: home even uh, I, It was gr- great television <laughs> I was upset, too. I was I was un, unhappy. I was being you know what that is. I, if, just in case you have kids in the car. I was being quite a bit. I didn't really want to have to do the Chiefs game on on Saturday, but we got through it and it ended up being a highly entertaining weekend. And had they not stacked it up that way, we wouldn't have got America watching and, and sort of rooting for a tie on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. which is Yeah, a really bizarre phenomenon. Um, my last takeaway has to do with McCole Hardman. John, you know, I I have a a. A big appetite. I, I love I love different types of food. Crow is not a food that I enjoy eating. <laughs> but I'll eat a little bit here. I thought he was a trade candidate. And there's a sliver of light here now with Hardman. You see what he did. And you're like, man, every, anytime this guy has the football in his hands, he does something with it. And he finally had an opportunity with Travis Kelsey again, getting beat up and kind of taken out of the game. Tyreek Hill was severely limited and the chiefs were left with no choice, but to make it work with McColl. And he rose to the occasion first Mm -hmm. hundred yard game of his career. And I understand that he had the 18 games and Sammy was working with like 10 with all his injuries, but he had a greater output this year and it was in the six hundreds than Sammy had in any year yardage wise Mm -hmm. with the chiefs. And he, like Clyde, is one of those players because of the premium picks that is judged a little bit more harsh. And I don't necessarily think that that is incorrect, but I am left wondering after this game if we might have been too hard on Hardman in the sense of like, maybe it's just like the touches, which is is understandable in a way, right? You
2: know, I've been been watching these snap counts all year and both Hardman and Demarcus Robinson at one point bottomed out and went a couple of weeks where they were hardly being used at all. And it was real easy at that point to say, okay, obviously, the Chiefs have given up on these guys. They're going to go with Pringle now. And and then they change, Mm -hmm. you know, two weeks later, Pringle is stepping in as the as the guy who takes over for Tyreek Hill in this game. And, uh, you know, I, I think some of it is the Chiefs are mixing and matching based on what the defenses are going to be and, you know, which receivers they think will do better against a particular defense. And I think some of it is just, you know, let's just keep things moving around so everybody's always fresh and ready to mm-hmm. play. You know, I, I don't know. You
1: got to be impressed with what he did on Saturday, though. Steve Spagnuolo is the, is the big fresh leg guy. I don't know if Andy yeah. gives a damn about fresh legs, but remains to be seen if Hardman gets more looks in the playoffs. He should at least be touching the ball you would have to say three to five times a game. I don't know how Mm -hmm. you're not at least giving him some orchestrated touches with what he was able to do in in week 18. All right, Steve, let's hit it.
0: Oh, and the ball
2: comes out of his hands. Picked up all the way down to the six-yard
1: line is Jaron Reed. As if things couldn't get worse. (laughs) For a Steeler fan, you got a screen, but it's a fake reverse Tony Romo and Jim Nance on the call. The Chiefs were up on the Steelers 33-3. Big Ben was trying to get something going. Turk Wharton knocks the ball out of his hands. Jaron Reed picks it up. And to me, that's the best Chiefs thing. But I think it's a point to remember because the Chiefs defense and the front was dominant. And that, to me, was the last time this team had some defensive swagger. So I we all wanted to see the bye. I wanted. To not have to cover a game this weekend, but maybe this is just what the doctor ordered in the sense of let's let the defense play a game, and let's do it against a team they know they've had success against and can get their swagger back headed into a game like the Bengals or the Bills. Remains to be seen. So could even be the Raiders if the the Patriots win, which is which is possible. Wild, mm-hmm. wild, that, wild that that could be a playoff game. But anyway, whatever team it is, let's get the defensive swagger back this weekend, John i'm ready right. for that i'm down with that good i'm down with it john's down with it steve's down with it you're down with it it's the chiefs and the steelers in the wild card edition of sunday night football should be another good weekend of football john can't wait to talk to you on tuesday and you're like ah, oh, you know what i love the monday night football game because you're coming around <laughs> It's like the rest of the fans with all this flex scheduling <laughs> My name is Pete Sweeney. He's John Dixon. Thank you to Steve Sir. To stick with us on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we got another full week of content. Great British Chiefs show is coming up tomorrow. We'll have Arrowhead Drives. We'll have an interview series on Thursday. Show and BK will preview this playoff game. We'll have you covered with all these updates when it comes to Ryan Pole, and Eric the Enemy and all the injury reports at ArrowheadPride.com. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you once again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.